0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org.
1: Great being with you. My name's Ryan. Those of you that may be new to North Valley, I know that a lot of folks move in during the month of June and July, so we ought to be seeing a bunch of new folks uh, visit during the summer. Actually, we make it very intentional in my schedule that I try to be here as much as possible in June and July because... So many people move in. In our area alone, there's actually 800 new families moving in within just a five-mile radius during those two months. So it's a lot of folks moving in. So I want to encourage you, if you're enjoying the message series, uh, Summer in the Psalms, we've got invite cards. You can invite your friends and family. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, This morning, before we get started, um, I've got a couple announcements to make. Um, Campus update. I've asked that you guys would maybe pull out your phone and set your clock uh, alarm for 12 o'clock every day and just pray for our church. So um, the story behind this is is that the the picture that you're looking at is actually 14.98 acres. And years ago, what we did is we made an agreement that we would pay for the nine acres in the middle uh, up front. We did that through a capital campaign and some traditional financing. Uh, And so we were able to do that by God's grace. And then our hope and desire was to be able to pay for the properties on the left and on the right uh, there where you see maybe a future sports field uh, to utilize uh, for outreach in our community. And then on the other side, uh, that area right there as well. So that time has come and gone. And the seller says, hey, I've got a great prospective buyer that wants to develop the property. Uh, They want to They've got money and they've got a, an ability to put in storage units um, right where the sports field would be. Uh, that's where our hope and desire, with that, that's what that property would be used for. Um, they say they could put in boats and RVs, which would negatively impact our current ministry operations. And then on the other side, they want to put in self-storage. So I ask that you guys would just pray. The church really doesn't have the resources to do this right now. Um, those two properties. Um, are, uh, are very essential for the future of our church. Great news and update. I said two things we're praying for, a large uh, capital donor or uh, a, a generous land banker, somebody who would buy the land, hold the land, and then the church would pay back uh, or purchase the property in a time that the church could do that. So the good news is, is a, we have a very great opportunity. Uh, a land banker has stepped forward And says, I am really, really confident that I think I could do at least half of this project for you guys, buy it, hold the property, and then when the church is in a financial position uh, to purchase the property back from me, then I would be able to do that. So that deal has not been done yet. I have a very important meeting uh, June 17th on Father's Day. I had to tell my wife it's Father's Day, I got to make a decision on behalf of the church and uh, our elder team and all that. So That meeting's coming up. I ask that you pray for that. But can we celebrate that God has provided somebody to step forward and say, I I care about the church and uh, I want to help at least tie up half of that property. So that's exciting. That was just a couple of weeks that we asked you guys to consider and pray about that. Um, So continue to pray and uh, I'll keep you updated as we go. I want to invite up Matt Hanson. He serves with our North Valley Student Ministries. He's going to come up and we're going to share with you just a couple other uh, kind of exciting announcements that are happening this summer. So you guys, if you will, give a big round of applause for Matt Hansen, serving in our student ministries. A- AKA, I like to call him Beach Boy because he looks so cool, you know? So, so uh, Matt, tell us what's happening with student ministries this summer. So we got a lot going on.
0: Yeah, so over the summer, we're doing an event every single week. So if you're in junior high, high school age, um, you should definitely grab one of these flyers. Check out our website. That keeps the most up-to-date version of all the events. This Saturday, we're going to the lake. We're going to be intertubing, wakeboarding, hanging out on boats. It's going to be a lot of fun, but you do need to sign up online, or you might not have a ride over there uh, or a spot on a boat.
1: And so we got two families in the church that already said, hey, I'll donate my time, skilled drivers, of boats. And um, so we got that, it, the, the ski boat set up and we were renting a pontoon boat. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And so
0: if this is kind of your last chance, if you do have a boat and you would like to help us out by playing on the lake, it's a really hard job, uh, then come talk to me because we're still interested in, in more boats. More boats means more kids are able to do stuff at yeah. the same
1: time. So that's really cool. I heard one guy say, well, I want to go and he's not a kid. And he said, if there's no room, I'll just tie my raft to to the party barge and I'll just hang out with you guys. So that's going to be me too. So I'm going. I want to be a part of it. So um, parents make sure we got a whole list of activities for students, junior high and high school all summer long. And then after service today, twelve o'clock, what do we've got going on for the high school students?
0: Yeah, so after service every week, after the second service at twelve o'clock, uh, we get together. We f- we feed them food, so you can uh, leave your kids and go have a nice date, and uh, and we'll feed them and and play games and talk about Jesus and. Uh,
1: it'll be and fun. so, and if if families, if you guys want to get involved, want to encourage you to do that, meet Matt right after service at the Connection Corner, and. Uh, Last but not least, we have Growth Track. Tell us about gro- Growth Track. Yeah,
0: today at noon, class 201 for Growth Track. If you haven't taken class 101, you can still jump right to 201 and come back, take the 101 later. And that's right over there in the kids' building. And there is childcare and, and even some snacks, I hear.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be a part of that as well. So I want to encourage you guys that have not been a part of class 201, just join us. It'd be, it's one hour. Kids, we got kids' uh, childcare provided and snacks as well. So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for being a part of this morning's announcements and all that. You guys give him another round of applause for being a part, serving North Valley kids. Okay, well, we're in, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 37. So I want to encourage you to be, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at one, uh, one verse in particular, Psalms 37, chapter, uh, chapter 37, verse 4, and then we'll look at verse 5 as well. The, the message title is The Duty of Delight, and it's, uh, what we're going to see this morning is that God calls us as a command to delight in Him. As we look at the Psalms, I want to help you orient your understanding of the Psalms uh, as a whole. Um, David, King David wrote 73 of these Psalms, uh, ch- uh, chapters, uh, a book, uh, chapters in the book of Psalms. Solomon wrote a number, Moses wrote a number of them as well. There's different kinds of psalms, when we're going to be, when you're thumbing through your Bible and you're looking at the book of psalms, there's messianic psalms that talk about the person and the work of Jesus. There's lament songs, psalms that are a cry to God for help. There's testimonial psalms that testify to how great God is. So when we're singing, how great is God? There's these kind of psalms, these would have been an instructional handbook, worship handbook for the uh, people of God in Israel. And there's also pilgrim psalms that are songs where when people were traveling back to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. There's impeccatory songs, which is asking for God's divine judgment on people, which is crazy. You're thinking, wow. But just saying, God, I need your justice to be done. I can't control everything. I, can't, I don't want well, to seek justice myself. I want you to intercede. There's penance psalms, where you're saw, when you are sing and you're sorrowful over the sin. And this morning, we're looking at a wisdom psalm. Wisdom psalms is guidelines for godly living. It's like the book of Proverbs. It's godly living. A lot of the psalms that you look at is for godly living. There's other psalms that we'll get into over the course of this summer in the psalms, like historical psalms that look at the faithfulness of God in the life of the, of the nation of Israel. There's also nature psalms that declare how good God is because of the creation that we're, we see. So this morning, we're looking at Psalms chapter 37. And I love it. It's, it's a psalm written by King David. And he was a very creative, gifted, warrior, poet, king in the nation of Israel. And Psalms chapter 37 is very unique because it's an alphabetic ac- 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 acrostic that every second verse begins with a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, you're looking at it in English, but in the Hebrew alphabet, every second verse uh, that you read in the Scriptures begins with successive letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So this morning, I decided to kind of follow in the line of what King David did and give you an acrostic. So this morning, we're looking at the duty of delight. Let me read the verse. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. This is both a promise and a command. We're commanded to delight in the Lord, and we're promised that God's going to give us the desires of our heart. So, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? This kind of delight, this is in your message notes, this kind of delight is in direct opposition to earthly, self-centered, vain pursuits and sinful pleasures. It's a kingdom-mindedness, a Christ-centered, a Savior-seeking, God-glorifying kind of ambition and effort to obey a divine command to enjoy and experience God as the good Father He is. It's an invitation to know God and align one's heart with His, to unify one's vision with His, and that will ultimately lead to seeing desires fulfilled, prayers answered, experiencing His extraordinary provisions. Let me stop right there. Look what it says about experiencing God as the good Father. What you've got is a command in Scripture where your heavenly Father says, I want you to delight in me. I want you to enjoy me. God himself is giving that command. Delight in me, he's saying. Let me help you understand this. Just the other day, I was in my room actually prepping for this message. And uh, every Monday, I take the whole day on Monday. Tomorrow morning, I wake up and I spend the whole day in prayer and study for the next message. So dad's busy. Unfortunately, um, it's too busy for me on Monday to be at the office because it's just a lot of activity there. And so I stay at home, but since it's summertime, guess where all the kids are? They're at home. So it makes it real hard for dad to study. So I'm studying yesterday or last Monday, got my laptop up, and in the afternoon, Maya comes in the door. She knocks on the door, and she comes in, and she wants to spend time with dad. So she walks in, I've got my earbuds in, I've got my laptop like this and I'm working away. I noticed she come in, but I didn't say anything or do anything cause I need to finish my work. So she grabs the top of my laptop, just the, it's a, it's a laptop. She grabs it and she just pulls it down and she goes, hi dad, six year old kid. You know, we got a picture of her, I wanna show her. And uh, she, 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 this is me with a beard. I don't have a beard anymore. But this is Maya, and she wanted to spend time with me. And I said, I pulled out my earplug, and, uh, and I said, hey, sweetie, and I put it back in. She reaches forward, and she pulls my earplug out. She said, hey, Dad, I just wanted to tell you, I love you. Have a good uh, time today. And then she puts my earbud back in, and she walks away. Maya has a routine where she wants to delight in her relationship with her dad, me. She delights in me she likes to spend time with me. And I want her to do that. Um, Sometimes, you know, as a parent though, um, maybe you you realize the children delight in you, but maybe you don't necessarily want to delight in them because you're busy and preoccupied. Being a parent is tough. Check this picture out, this next picture. Uh, This was um, Maya. There we go. Let's see another picture real quick. See, when you're a parent, you have to let your child delight in you, and it's not always an easy experience. This was at a, a, a little parent meeting where you had a bunch of kids and an activity, and Maya's pretending to shave dad. Maya delights in me. Here's my point. God gives a command that you're to delight in Him and experience Him like a child. We sang earlier about we're a child, and God's our heavenly Father. The secret to making it through the Christian life is learning how to delight in God. When I first became a Christian, uh, I was fired up. And for the first few years, I was just on cloud nine. And I had people come alongside me and said, your energy, your passion is going to wear off. I got good news for you. 20 years later, I'm still cranking, still love Jesus, still excited. Why? Because I believe this command. The Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Why should Christians delight in the Lord? Here's the first point. The world needs to see Christians who have a real and a fresh faith. You need to delight in God because the world needs to know that it is a real relationship that's being offered to you and that you've got a great heavenly father and he loves you and he cares for you. And it's hard to experience his goodness if you never go to him. He wants you to delight in him. One of the most powerful witnessing tools that you have is your own faith that it's fresh. Secondly, you can't survive on fumes. You need the fuel of delight. You can't do it. You can't do it alone. Uh, Months ago, my wife and I were traveling to Los Angeles, and on the way back, we unfortunately didn't stop to get gas. The gas light came on. How many of you have been on I-10? There's not a lot of gas stations out there. We pulled off and stopped one time and we saw this old dead gas station and I couldn't believe it, but I saw a telephone that you actually put money in and my kids said, what is that? And we said, that's an ancient telephone. Never seen one. We unfortunately ran out of gas on I-10 in the middle of the night. Just terrible, bad parenting moment. I had to call a tow truck, came and got us. It was terrible. The Christian life is like this you can't afford to run on fumes. You have to be filled up. We need to know what it looks like to delight in the Lord. You can't run your Christian life on fumes. Lastly, this is how things get done in the world as Christians. When you delight in God, your desires match more of His desires, and this is how things get done in the Christian life. You delight in God. You spend time with God. Then you say to the Lord, Lord, I desire to see A, B, and C. And he says back to you, those are my desires too. Let's get this done. You can't afford to live on fumes. The world needs to see a fresh faith and real faith. And this is how things are going to get done in the Christian life. So how do we delight in the Lord? First thing is that you declare God's goodness. Life is hard, but God is good. Every single day you wake up and you say things like this to God. We got a gal in our church in my neighborhood group. She says she wakes up every single day and says, good morning, Lord. She's pumped. She's excited. That's a great attitude. This is what the Psalms say. For the Lord is, let's read this together. For the Lord is what? Good. Let's say that again. For the Lord is good. Good. His character, his nature is good. God is always good. He was good yesterday. He's good today. He'll be good tomorrow. Amen? So the thing is, is if you trust in the character and the nature of God, you'll never be disappointed. Hear me on this. God is unpredictable in the things that he will do, but he's completely predictable and consistent in who he is. He's always good. Now, he's not predictable in the things that are going to happen in your life. We don't know. The Bible says that man plans his way, the Lord determines the step. You've got to come to a realization that you have a good heavenly father. You don't always know what he's going to do or ask you to do, but you can always count on he was good yesterday, he's good today, he'll be good tomorrow. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations." From generation to generation, we can say, God is good. And this is the test for your delight. When bad things happen, can you still say, God is good? When the medical report comes back and it doesn't give you the results that you were hoping for, can you still say with faith and confidence, God, you're good? When your job doesn't line up, when the finances don't come in, You can trust the character and the nature of God, declaring in faith, God, you are good. Unpredictable in what he's going to do, but completely consistent in his character and nature. God is always good. Secondly, I want to encourage you to explore the depths of God's love. We're just walking through an acrostic here. The Apostle Paul said this, for for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, See, he's a good father, our heavenly father. From every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. As a Christian, you gotta be grounded in God's love all the time. You've got to realize how much God loves you, how important you are to Him. You are His son. You are His daughter. He is the King. You are His servant. He's got an incredible blessing uh, of walking in faithfulness with Him. Life is not easy. Life is hard, but life is good. Be, the Apostle Paul's praying for the church to explore the depths and the magnitude of God's love. Anytime I'm in doubt, Relational conflict or challenges. Go back to the fundamental facts that the Bible says that God loves me, that the Creator of all universe says that He loves me. The scripture of the Bible tells us that He loves you. You were made in His image, according to Genesis chapter 1, according to Psalms 139, that He knit you together in your mother's womb before you were ever even born. He understood who you were, He made you who you are, He's got a plan for your life. You need to know the greatness of God's love. Always look to the cross. When you see the cross, that's a symbol of his love for you, that he came down from heaven to earth. And he, he wants you to know the magnitude of his love, being rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18 says this, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses Knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The point is, is that the more you know God's love, the more you're going to delight in Him. When Maya knows how much I love her, she loves to delight in me. Um, I like to do this from time to time with my my son or my daughter. They get mad and they say things that they don't mean. How many of you have seen that before? Your children say terrible things, and you're like, I'm not going to record that. and I'm not going to tell anybody what you just said, but what you just said was not true. But you can respond back and say things like this. This is what I do with my kids. And they come and they say things. They're frustrated. They're hurt. They're upset. I say, hey, listen, dad will always love you. No matter when you misbehave, you do this, you need to know dad's always going to love you. You need to know that God has a committed love for your life. Your unfaithfulness is responded with God's faithfulness. Your lack of love is responded with God's mercy and God's grace. What's the good news about the Christian life? That you've got a a loving father. And look what the Apostle Paul says. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The kind of love that God has isn't the kind of love that we have for people. It's far beyond that. That you may be filled with, That's a very important word. The Apostle Paul uses that time and time again. We're going to see that in a minute. With all the fullness of of God. So prayers like this, Heavenly Father, you're good. Lord, today I'm going to claim the promise that you love me, that you'll fill me with your love. I thank you for that. What keeps joy in the Christian life is learning how to delight in God. Not only is it exploring the depths of God's love, but it's also living with an expectancy that God's goodness will follow you. It's living with an expectation that God's going to do something good today. This is what Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. King David says this, that God's goodness and his mercy will follow him. No matter where you go, it's like God's goodness and His mercy are chasing you down. So you walk over here in this section and season of life, God's goodness and His mercy chase you. You go running through a season in life and you're maybe in a season of rebellion or your disbelief or discouragement, guess what? God's goodness and His mercy are following you. You can't get away from it, it's just always there. Live with an expectation that today god 's going to do something great. Hey, let me just tell you this: I know a lot of times you want to live with an expectation you 're like, God, I want to see a miracle. I want this report to come back great. I need this breakthrough or I need this or that. I need my my son or my daughter to reconcile. I need that relationship to be healed and sometimes we love love it, and we are thank God so much for when He parts the Red Sea or when he does the incredible extraordinaries. But can I just say this? Give God some credit for the little things that he does. Like when you're on a walk and you see something beautiful, you can just say, God, thank you for today be able to see that or meet that person. I just so happened to connect with today and encourage me. God, I thank you. You're good. Your goodness has followed me. Your mercy has come to me today. I'll receive that. This morning, I was out on a hike and walked up and I was praying for the church and praying for our community and this hot air balloon just came right over me. And it was just awesome because it was right there. And to me, that was a little gift of God's goodness just to say, hey, I'm good. These are the things that I love. They encourage my heart to get that opportunity. Let me just say this. When you're living with an expectancy to see God's goodness, count the little things too. Don't just wait on the big things. See his goodness in the small things. See his mercy in the small things. Not only should we live with an expectancy that God's goodness will follow us, but we also need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you when you're low. This is probably one of the best kept secrets in the Christian life. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit enters into your life, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we're become his temple. What Christians don't understand oftentimes is that you need to be continually filled up. It's not like he leaves, but you need to be continually filled up with a fresh sense of power and presence in your life on a day-to-day basis. And there's nothing you have to do to earn this. You just have to believe in faith and say, God, I thank you. That you do want to fill me up, help me out when I don't have the strength, when I am really discouraged, when I'm facing this hardship, when I got to make these big decisions, I need an extra measure of your Spirit's power today. Here's what the Bible says Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says this And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What happens when most of us get low and discouraged? We go to something maybe it's not alcohol, but we'll turn to something. It could be a binge episode on Netflix or Amazon for 12 hours at a time. It could be that we're uh, going to some medication or it could be some wrong relationship or some kind of addictive pattern that's not helpful or healthy. But the Bible says, look, don't do that, but be filled. That's a present tense imperative in grammar. That means you need to constantly, presently ask, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit more today. It's a present tense imperative. It's a command. Just like that scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, that's a command. This is a command. This is what the Apostle Paul continually says about Ro- in, in Romans to the church in Rome. He says, may the God of hope, what? Fill you with all joy, He's petitioning the churches in Rome that they would be filled as well with, with joy and peace. What is that? That's, that's fruit and evidence of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5. In believing, so that by the what? The power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What gets you out of a discouraging time, a depression season? You need to seek help from godly people and seek godly counsel, but you cannot dismiss the importance and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, or you'll be rolling on fumes through your Christian life. You can invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up when you feel low. Lord, today, I need your strength. Lord, today, I need your help. Will you fill me up? I feel low. You know, when you go to a bank and you um, say you have uh, plenty of money in the bank, you're not worried about your finances at all, you walk up, and you've got a check, and you say ask the teller for 100 bucks. You know that you have money in the bank. You're asking for the teller just to give you $100 in cash. You don't give her the check or give him the check and then say, oh, please give me the cash. Please give me my money. Please, 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 please. You have an expectation that the money is already there. You just need this person to give you the cash. It's the same way in your relationship with God. You don't have to freak out or panic. God's power and presence is available for every single Christian. All you need to do is go to him in faith and say, Lord, today I need your presence. I'm going into this meeting and I need something more than I, that I don't have. I need an extraordinary amount of strength today. I haven't been feeling good. I've got to make a lot of great decisions. Well, I need to help these people Please, Lord, will you give me extraordinary measure of your spirit today? When you live like that, I believe that that God will, um, you'll experience God's joy a lot more. You know, a guy that really uh, loved this uh, idea here, uh, not only Wayne Grudem, systematic theologian, um, but also uh, Bill Bright. He was the president of Campus Crusade for Christ. And he talked about the importance of her as a Christian is that you have to constantly just say to the Lord, Lord, I confess my sin. I turn towards you as my savior. Now, would you fill me up with an extra measure of your spirit to accomplish the things that you have for me today? It's very, very important to do that. Not only should we invite the Holy Spirit, but we need to get time alone with God on a regular basis. If we're gonna delight in the Lord, we need to get time alone with God on a regular basis. This is modeled in the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus uh, is, is uh, said to rise early in the morning. While, he was st- while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus made it a pattern uh, and, a, and a, a, a practice that he would constantly spend time alone For you as a Christian to grow and to thrive in your faith, you need to have alone time with God. You need to spend one-on-one time with Him where you petition Him, talk to Him, tell Him what you're thinking. It's a place and a space for you to commune and connect with your Heavenly Father. And so I want to encourage you to get time alone. Here's what the Scripture continues tells us on a regular basis. There's a priority for all your relationships, the most important relationship that you have, your greatest priority in all of life, the purpose of your life, is to, to meet and to know, follow Jesus. Look what Matthew 6, thirty three says. Uh, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Specifically, he's talking in the context of uh, meeting your, providing for you. When you have a challenge and You need God's help and his extraordinary provision. First thing you should do is seek first the kingdom. That means God's rule and God's reign. That means how things work in heaven. When you say, Lord, it's not working out here on earth right now. I need your help. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. What are things that we seek first instead of God? We'll oftentimes even turn to our spouse or a loved one. We'll go to our our work. We'll go to something else and we'll reprioritize priorities. But the Lord says that we need to seek Him first. So what does this look like? It could look like waking up a little extra early and spending time with God. This summer, as we're in the summer of the Psalms, I want to encourage you to think about what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God? That's your greatest relationship responsibility. For those of you that are married, you put God first, you put your marriage second, your kids third, and everybody else behind that those of you that are single you put god first you put your family second and everybody else behind that seek first the kingdom of god if we're going to delight in him we've got to have the duty of seeking him seeking out god's will and god's ways and look what the scripture tells us in verse 34 jesus says therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The reality is, is that when you're spending time with God, when you're seeking Him first, it'll lower your anxiety. That word therefore uh, indicates that there's a propositional truth on the front end. When you seek first God's kingdom, the result is, is that you don't need to be as anxious anymore. Why? Because you put your priorities in place. You put your priorities in place... It helps you to navigate through the day, through your week, through your month, through your relationships, through your priorities, and you don't have to be as stressed anymore. Many of us struggle with anxiety. Um, Many of us struggle with stress, I have a lot of stress in life. This principle right here can really help you a lot. Delighting in God and being good for your healthy and emotional and spiritual well-being. Not only should we get time alone with God, but I want to encourage us to hold off on what I call lower level thinking and toxic talking. Your ability to delight in God has something to do and absolutely involves the way you think and the way you speak. The Bible says whatever comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. Let me talk to you about. Your, uh, first your thought life. Look what the apostle Paul says in Philippians. He says, finally, brothers, he's going to aim them up to think about good things. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, he's speaking specifically to the character and the nature of God, the scriptures. He says, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think P-H-I-N-K, about these things. Did you know that we think uh, about 35 to 40 thoughts per minute? Right now, over the last minute, you've had potentially 35 to 40 thoughts pass through your mind. I promise you this, the way your thought life works determines how you delight in God or not if you delight in God, your desires get more aligned with God's desires, you accomplish a lot more in the spiritual life, in the extraordinary kind of living. When you see believers that talk like, I prayed and this happened, boom, and you're like, wow, how'd that happen? Well partially because those people oftentimes are delighting in God on a regular basis their desires become matched up with God's desires their prayers get matched up with the prayer and the heart's desire of their heavenly father and things just get done their thought life is not on earthly things but on heavenly things there's 50 to 70,000 thoughts that you think every single day 50 to 70,000 thoughts that you think per day. If you delight in God, if you are living a vibrant Christian life, what percentage do you think would be out of the 50 to 70,000 thoughts that you think every single day would be obeying the delight command? Delight yourself in the Lord command, not a question mark. Oh, delight yourself in the Lord, maybe. No, that's the command. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart commit your way to him, trust in him, he will act. So, prayers like this ought to be really important. Lord, help my mind, my thought life, to be more attuned and desiring to think about the things that you want me to think about. Help my mind to stay focused on things that are true, things that are right, things that are honorable. How easy is it for us to gravitate and think about negative things Uh, worthless saints, my encouragement to you is maybe do some inventory and maybe to hold off on lower level thinking and begin to step into a higher level of thinking about, God, you can do this. God, you can do that. God's word says this, saturating your mind with scripture, reading in the scriptures. That's why the Bible says that we should meditate on things, 50 to 70 thoughts per day. 70,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot of thinking. And how much of that thinking is what I called uh, earlier when we did a message uh, about depression is stinking thinking. It's thinking it's not healthy. It's very counterproductive. It's not even true. Let me ask you another question. What do you think the enemy, Satan, wants you to think about God and yourself? he I'll tell you I'll give you a hint. He wants you to think God is not good, that God is a sham, that you are worthless, that you are unlovable, that you have no hope. That kind of thinking are the thoughts that the enemy would have you think. The Scripture tells us, Paul is pleading, finally, brothers, whatever is true, When you're evaluating your thought life, ask this question God, is this true? Or is it false? Measure it according to God's word. God, whatever is honorable, Lord, is this thought honorable? If it's honorable, keep thinking it. Lord, whatever is just, is it just? Is it right? Keep thinking it. Whatever is pure, If you're thinking about impure thoughts, do you think God wants you to be thinking that? If you're thinking about thoughts that are pure and right, God absolutely wants you to be thinking about that. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The greatest accomplishments in your life will come because of a thought that crossed your mind that you held on to, and you made a decision, I was thinking about this the other day. When you spend time with God, the Holy Spirit influences your thought life. That's why I tell people all the time, if you're spending time with God and you got a great idea, just follow it out. Because it's a very good chance that God put that thought straight into your mind. And then how do you measure it? Is this God's idea or my idea? You go through and say, is this true, Lord? Is this true in scripture? Is it an honorable, Lord? Is it just? Is it pure? Or do you have impure motives? Your thought life matters tremendously. You see, if you go into therapy or counseling or anything like that, and you're sitting there and you're listening to people, their thought life is 90% of their problem. What they think. What they think about God, what they think about themselves, what they think about somebody else. Then you just gotta ask the question, is this, is this true? Let's reorganize our thought life. If we're going to delight in God, we've got to hold off on lower-level thinking. Capture your thought. The Bible says, you know, when, when ideas come into your mind, take every thought, what? Captive. Some of you need to arrest, arrest a thought that's damaging or crippling or hurtful. You have an idea and you think, this person hurt you, I'm going to cut them off. This, my marriage isn't working out, I'm going to get a divorce watch those thoughts. This person cheated me, I'm going to cheat them. This person hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to tell you, you're H-U-M-A-N, you're human. I understand you have those thoughts. And it can be a fleeting thought, but when you give into it and you start activating that, that's when you're falling into a pattern of sin. That's when you're giving into a bad thought life. That's when you start acting on your thoughts. Every wonderful, godly, awesome thing that's going to happen in your life is a result of God influencing your thought life and then you carrying it out towards action. And what helps you get there is understanding this too, is what you say, Ephesians 4.29. I'm going to challenge you, if you're going to delight in God, you need to hold off on lower level thinking and toxic talking. Look what it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Another uh, way to uh, interpret that uh, word, corrupting, is corrosive, damaging, destructive, speech. Don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. You've got a, a loose lip. You heard that before, and it was World War One or World War II. It was loose lips sink what? Ships. What you say can create a lot of damage. So if you're going to delight in God, I promise you this, He's not going to grant you the desires of your heart if you go around with corrosive talk. You're not going to experience God's goodness, His presence, His joy, the filling and the refreshment of the Holy Spirit if you go around with corrosive speech towards yourself, towards God, towards your friends, towards your family, towards your children. Just a side note real quick on parenting, just because I'm in it all the time. I think it's helpful. One-third of our church young families, and this would apply for grandparents too. Um, We've learned over the years that you never discipline a child uh, abruptly when you're angry. Because when you are angry, what you say and what you do can come across not healthy and not right. If you grab a child or if you say something to a child, and some of you may be the victim of abuse in your own home or have been or came out of that. If your father or your mother disciplines you or grabs you or tries to heavily touch you or say mean things towards you in the midst of an anger situation, that's called abuse. And I want to tell you something. Corrosive talk breaks people down. It breaks families up you need to get a hold of yourself and hold off. If, as a parent, you need to hold off if you're angry or frustrated or mad. And how many of you, right? I get this. You have a hard day. You have a hard week. And then you enter into a, some kind of conflict at home. It could be with the spouse or it could be with the child. And then what comes out of your mouth? Is it going to build up or is it going to break people down? And a godly man or a godly woman will do this. Hey, I want you to know, I am so sorry I said that. I am so sorry I did that. I reacted out of anger or frustration. And I've asked God to forgive me too. Will will you please forgive me? Every single one of you are human. Every single one of you let corrupt talk happen. Every single one of you have, out of your fifty to 70,000 thoughts that you have per day, You're struggling in your thought life to have pure thoughts all the time, but what do we need? We need a fresh dose of God's spirit in our lives on a continual basis. Say, God, today, I want to help move that percentage up. I want to think a lot more thoughts that are honorable, pleasing, and pure, and right today. Today, I want to speak words that are going to build people up. I don't want to break people down, Lord. Those are the conversations you can have under your breath in every single situation you find yourself in. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that look like? At least it looks like we're holding off on lower level thinking and toxic talk because what we think determines what we do. What we say is a reflection of what's in the heart. Look what the scripture says, continuing on. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. I've said this a million times at North Valley, and I'll keep saying it. Let's decide to be builders, not breakers. Let's build people up. Let's not break them down. God will have his justice, you and me. What we can do is find the areas and say, hey, I'm proud of you for this, A, B, and C. Hey, I'm encouraged to see you do this. You do that really well. The Bible says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Here's what my mama used to say. Ryan, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at... So I was quiet a lot. Uh uh, don't talk. You don't have anything good to say. You just be quiet. That's good. Apply that to yourself too, though. Let's build people up. There's too much discouragement in the world. Let's be people that encourage others. Let's start with ourselves, though, and say, God, thank you. Maybe you've said things like, I'm such a loser. I'm an idiot. I did it again. Ah, There's no hope for me. Don't say those kind of things. That's not true. That's not true. Because you have a high king of heaven committed to you, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, resurrected and that same resurrection power lives within us, And we're permanently sealed, sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We have a great hope. We have a high King of heaven. Closing out, I want to say this, is ultimately it comes down to trust. Trust in the Lord, especially with what you can't control. This is it. Do you trust God? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 this is wisdom literature. We've been reading in wisdom literature in the Psalms. This is wisdom literature in Proverbs written by Solomon. He says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Let me ask you a question. Do you trust him? Do you trust God? Not necessarily with what's going to happen, but at least with who he is, that he is good. Look at Psalms 37, four through five, and we'll close it up. Look what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse five, commit your way. Could we make a commitment today? Could we make a commitment and say, Lord, I'm committing my week to you. I commit, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Not in your circumstances, not in your situation, not in what's going on, not in other people, but trust in Him and look what it says promise, and He will act. It doesn't mean He's going to act the way you want Him to, but He will act. That's the promise you can bank on. So, will God give me the desires of my heart? That's the question I asked as I studied the scriptures. Here's my response Number one, yes. I believe so. As I delight in Christ, he promises to do so. That's good news. Yes, when my desires become closer to God's desires, I can believe that God will give me the desires of my heart. Yes, this is for all of us. So delight yourself in the Lord, get going and partner with God in prayer to accomplish what he wants you to do in our world. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today and the privilege and the opportunity. Um, So as we continue to worship and and the ushers come forward to pass out communion, Lord, we want to delight in you and enjoy you uh, forever. The The Bible tells us that we're to delight ourselves in the Lord and he'll give us the desires of our heart. And God, our ultimate purpose in life is to know you and enjoy you and give you all the glory In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.